It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. If you've been following our series, we've been talking about the radical teachings of Jesus Christ. Why are they radical? Because they're radical to the sin nature in all of us. He came bearing the light, the truth that was going to cause friction with the human way of thinking. He was going to drive us to a new way, a new paradigm in holy living and truly taking up our cross to follow him as disciples of Jesus Christ. It was that we are to grab hold of that plowshare and never look back. It was the kingdom before us and the world behind us. And so the These are radical teachings, after all. We've been talking about the Beatitudes and really looking at what it means to be the blessed because we're poor in spirit. I mean, what a radical idea to be totally absent of anything of self that you cannot save yourself. You cannot work to attain salvation. You are totally coming desperate to a Savior saying, I belong to you. You are my Lord. And I am now putting myself on the altar of giving up my life for your way, your kingdom come, your will be done, that kind of holy living. And that is easier said than done. That's why we're going to take a lifetime to really explore that study and topic, because throughout our journey, we are going to understand what it means then to be Holy set apart, a sanctification work that the Lord does in and through our lives as the refiner does through his holy refiner's fire. Now, you're probably expecting that we're going to pick right back up today, but we want to interrupt our regularly scheduled program today because we want the Holy Spirit to truly take over as we'd expect him to do every program. We certainly don't want this to be scripted. This is from the heart after all. We have a guide that we use, the Holy Word of God. And he then takes us through that study with you each and every week. But today, we want to deviate and just talk a little bit about personal testimony. I just got back from California and have a testimony I want to share with you here today. And Dr. Ford and I have been talking about it even before the program. We decided we're going to put our notes aside and just talk about the goodness of God, his glorious working in and through our lives, and just basking in his goodness together. So to help me in this vital subject of just sharing about the Lord's good work, Dr. Steve Ford is here in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, always good to have you, my friend. Thank you, John. This is so great. I'm so glad to be here. And as you were mentioning, we've really been discussing sort of the Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but it's Mm -hmm. Christ who lives in me. And really, what does that look like according to the teachings of Jesus Christ, especially recently as we've covered them on the Sermon on the Mount? But you've had a great experience. You just came back from a trip, and and really what you witnessed were the ramifications of what the walk is like away from Jesus Christ, and Mm -hmm. how that can affect things generationally, and what that looks like. And As I listen to you speak, I'm just so thankful that our God, as we talked about before the show, our God by his very nature is a God who takes bad things and he turns them into good things. It reminds me of, there's a movie, Joshua, that talked about if Jesus came now, what would it look like? And mm-hmm. at one point, there's a glass vase that, that that falls and breaks and shatters into pieces, but but Joshua turns it into this amazing new piece of, of artwork. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what our Heavenly Father does in our lives. And so I'm just interested to hear what you witnessed and what you experienced while you were away. Oh, absolutely. Well, where do I start, really? 
Uh, I, I've been thinking about it even just in the few moments that we had before the program to think about your testimony because it's so uh, just real right now. I mean, I'm very transparent, very open uh, because this just happened even more to complete. It's not finished, right? Our testimony is not done. It, as long as we keep breathing, there's still a story being written. Right. God is working through all of us Amen. to bring himself glory. But what has just happened over the past six years is astonishing to me. Let me take everybody back for a moment. Uh, I'm I'm 46 years old, okay? So I'm turning 47 this year. And for the past 40 years, I have not known my father, okay? My mother was a sexually abused runaway. She left Colorado because her stepfather was abusing her physically. Uh, sadly, he was he met my grandmother in a church he seemed to have everything together. He was a worship leader. Everything seemed to be going good. Uh, they got married, and everything but that was represented there. I mean, abuse and all sorts of horrible things. And my mother was the most abused of the three girls, and she runs away to California. And there in California, she connects with Grandpa. Grandpa was sheriff of Yolo County in Sacramento. And and there he's – obviously, he's very – Proud, well known of his work that he's doing in protecting citizens. Very proud to be sheriff of Yolo County and 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 really a man of great integrity. He had previously been a pastor. Now he was in law enforcement. Seemed to go hand in hand, right? He cared about taking care of people and ensuring justice was done. I always have great respect for him. And so here comes this very troubled young lady back into his life. And she did anything but stay out of trouble. And so here's a troubled teen under the roof of my grandfather, who's trying to keep her on the straight and narrow, and she was doing anything but staying according to his, his rules and, and, and good uh, living as we'd expect a child to do under our roof. And of course, she's a very broken teenager. She's just kept getting into trouble. She runs away again. There she meets who would become my biological father. Well, he was also coming out of a very broken home, and I didn't realize the magnitude of that until even just recently, just how broken his life was as he was just getting started in life. And he was with a bunch of other kids that were also deeply wounded. So yeah. they turned to drugs and alcohol. Right. That was their culture. So my mother fleeing from her own circumstances of great travesty became the victim of her own decisions. Right. And so now she's getting pregnant. She gets pregnant three separate times, has an abortion each time. Now she's compounded her own wounds. Now she's in deep, distraught pain, feeling dirty and filthy, never to ever go into a church, you know, ever show her face there. Um, God would never receive her. I mean, all the feelings that we have. I'm dirty before people, dirty before God. I'll just stay dirty. And just staying in that lifestyle and all the pain that came with it. Well, she gets pregnant a fourth time. And this time something was different. God so moved in her she hears Dr. Dobson on the radio. She uh, goes through the, this consternation. Something was moving in her heart. She didn't want to have an abortion again. She makes a decision to keep me. And there wasn't a red carpet. There weren't flowers. There wasn't, you know, hurrah, you've made a wonderful decision, the right decision. No, she, she did the honorable thing, the right thing. And she raised me up and she gets remarried. And we go through a number of circumstances, trials and that. But I never knew my biological father through all of this. Well, little did I know he was living the life of the rebel, right? He gets into drugs and alcohol, and he's a mechanic for the Hell's Angels, a mechanic for all sorts of 
drug runners throughout Sacramento. I mean, it was just a, a horrible series of circumstances. I never heard his voice. I didn't know who this man wow. was. Six years ago, I'm on the radio show with Dr. Dobson because we're talking about the value of life, that I came out of those circumstances. My mother makes this decision to keep me against all odds, and she raises up a man who's only worked predominantly in ministry all of my adult life. I've now been in in, in ministry for 26 years oh. of that. I started to focus on the family when I was 20 years old. Grew up under Dr. Dobson's tutelage and his teachings and understood then what it meant to break a cycle, generational curses, we've often called them. And so I spent 20 years under uh, this this umbrella of focus on the family and, and growing and learning and raising up five children of my own. And I'm on the radio show with Dr. Dobson talking about all of this. He's in tears because I told him, thank you for being a defender of life. Your voice for the unborn is one of the reasons why I'm here today. And as that radio show goes out, I get a message at the church. The message I receive is from a young lady claiming to be my sister. And, and she tells me a few things, leaves no contact information, nothing. So suddenly, six years ago, I'm, I'm confronted with, wait a minute, I have a sibling out there, a half-sibling who knows my biological dad, a, a person I've never met and known, and, and I, she leaves me no contact information. So I, I'm praying, I'm like, oh, Lord, she's found me. She knows where I am. I don't know where she is. Of course, I've tried Facebook and every other social media platform, can't find them. And then she reaches out to me again about four and a half years ago. Come to find out, she was her mother at the time was heavy into drug dealing and so forth. It was, I mean, one tragedy after another. I mean, you couldn't write a soap opera this bad, what, what I've found out. I mean, a you know, home being burned from people in a bad drug deal, all sorts of things. Well, this woman made sure that we were in contact, that that this young lady who's my sister was not in contact with me or anybody else of the family, kept her isolated. This woman passed away, so my sister went on this hunt to try to find all these family members. My, my biological dad was uh, not doing well physically. His ailments were catching up with him, a, a life like that that will, will produce that kind of output. And so she reaches out to me again. Four years ago, I get on a plane after she reaches out to me, and I visit them both for the first time. I hear his voice. I see his eyes, look uh -huh. into his eyes, hear all of this, get to know him. The first embrace after 40 years, I get to see this man. And he knows now I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm talking to him about the <laughs> Lord. I couldn't help it. It's in my DNA. The Lord is there. I'm a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. That's that's what we do. That's right. Unashamedly so. And I'm just talking about the Lord and what God has done. And I can't help but see the miracle of how he's brought all this together. The, the son that shouldn't have been, another notch in Margaret Sanger's belt, right. is now sitting there watching his daughter graduate while we're talking and absorbing all of this. And, and so I come back. I hear his health is waning. I mean, my sister reaches out to me and she's like, yeah, he, he's just getting worse and worse. Well, COVID, of course, comes into play. Can't travel out there. So wait till we're finally able to get out there. Many of the things around them were on lockdown. Uh, I continue trying to talk with him via text and phone and, and building a relationship that was never there. Keep talking about Jesus. His health keeps going south. So my mother flies out with me 
a few months ago. Wow. She hasn't had contact with this man in longer than that, right? I mean, this so this has been, uh, they separated under terrible circumstances. It was difficult, painful. She makes this bold decision to go out with me. She's on fire for the Lord, as you know. And so we meet with him at the hospital, and he's in terrible condition. They're talking about amputations. I mean, he's in rough, sh- rough shape. And so I have the opportunity. I immediately, I can't stand it anymore. I just start talking about Jesus with him, giving the gospel. I'm like, Dad, you have to see what God has done here. He loves you and wants you to have the truth, especially now. And of course, he was thinking that if he started to have these kind of conversations that maybe that meant that his life's end was upon him. And I'm, I was like, Dad, it's not about fire insurance. This is not about <laughs> insurance of after death. This is about knowing how to live now. Right. I mean, this is where life comes in when you know Jesus Christ, to set you free from the shackles of all that sin, all the bondage that has held you in, in captivity from the knowledge and the love and intimacy of God. But yet, of course, God still loves him. He wouldn't have orchestrated that I would be there. And my mother now with him. So I leave the room and I let the two of them share. She gives him the gospel message. They're in (laughs) tears. I come back. She had asked for forgiveness. She loved on him. She gives him the gospel. He's in tears. It's an amazing moment. I come back with my mother. She's still beside herself that all of this has happened after all this time apart. And, and I find out that his health is waned so bad. I get several calls in a row saying, we don't think he's going to make it through maybe the week. We have no idea. And doctors do their best, as you know, right. Dr. Ford, trying to gauge these sort of things. And, uh, and so it comes down to this, this day. I remember it vividly. My sister calls and she says, I don't think dad's going to make it through the day. And of course, she's been hearing about the gospel as well. And so she puts the phone up to his ear. Let's me pray with him, share the gospel one more time. And all I could make out is him saying, I love you. And it was just groaning. That's all he could do in the midst of his pain. I love you. I love you. And I, I, I share the Lord with him again. He passed away about two hours later. So I, I go out there, just got back from California. I had to officiate the funeral. I say had, it was a privilege. The long lost elder son returns and I'm meeting family I'd never met before all estranged from various circumstances, lots of pain, cascading effects of sin. One person impacted by another, impacted by another. There probably wasn't a single Christian there at the funeral. And I couldn't help but just go right into the gospel message. Look at the miracle that God has done. And I get to share with all of you the love of Jesus Christ here this day. My sister's face goes white. She sees a man walk into the room. Turns out my dad had been still dealing drugs up until uh, my mother and I had flown out there. And after sharing the gospel, she overheard the conversation with this other drug dealer where he didn't want to do that anymore. He's very angry and says a bunch of threatening things. He had walked into the funeral service. My sister sees him. She didn't tell me till afterwards that was the guy. And I knew something was bothering her. He heard the entire gospel message. Motorcycle guys were there. People of all walks were there. And of course, all of these family members I'd never met, only heard names occasionally. They're there. Their first encounter with me is hearing the gospel message. It couldn't be more stamped with the Holy Spirit over this whole experience. So I'm coming back now to Colorado Springs going, I've got work to do. 
I have a sister now who needs the love of Jesus. I have met a grandmother now only for the second time. She's 94 years old, has now lost all three of her sons, is now in the care of a grandson she had never really met beyond my birth days. I mean, so, you know, maybe one or two years of age. That's it. She had never heard my adult voice, seen my face. She's now blind, incapacitated, can't walk. And and now it's my responsibility to care for this woman. Wow. And I sent her an audio Bible. So a so radio cool. with an audio Bible. It was right next to her nightstand when I went and visited her for the funeral. She's now hearing the gospel message. This whole thing is just unbelievable. What people would have looked at from the outside and seen a soap opera of tragedy, of lives giving unto destruction. I mean, a hell's angels mechanic who's a rebel without a cause, giving his life to drugs and alcohol, passes away at 68 years of age, never heard a single voice of his grandchildren or his children other than the daughter that he had in his presence. And all of this, God was not done. He made sure I could be there, have closure in some aspect of that, but yet give the gospel message. I needed that. He needed that. The family needed that. God had not given up on them. He answered my prayer. He made a way. And now my mother has this amazing healing. Dr. Vord, I could probably talk for hours about, look what God has done. Yeah. And that's the joy I have in this, that there is a boldness. If you ever have been afraid to speak boldly for Jesus Christ, and and you just think, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm around all these people. Maybe I got to speak at a funeral. I don't know what I'm going to say in that. Take heart. I did not have even the right emotional state to speak. My mind went totally clear. Out came the gospel. Like I had rehearsed this in front of a mirror, (laughs) and all I could do was say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for a mouth that was able to open, and you delivered exactly what you wanted. I wish I'd had a recording, yeah. because then you go, look, listen to the Holy Spirit (laughs) speak, not John, the conduit. This is God. (laughs) And I'm often reminded of Matthew 10, 32 to 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, we say that not to cause fear, but to remind us all we have to do is be bold. Step up to the plate like Joshua. Be bold. God does the rest. To him be the glory. And I see that this is not a story finished. There's right. still great work. And it takes me back to Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And then he says, behold, I make all things new in yeah. Revelation 21, 5. Yeah. Dr. Ford, I know you've had an incredible testimony, and I didn't leave you much time oh, today. Yeah. It's this, just no, sharing this is all wonderful. This. I just, you know, as I'm listening here, and even as you were talking about Isaiah, it reminds me of Ezekiel, where I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put mm. within you, and I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, because countless times throughout history, that's what God has done to all of us. All of us who have come into saving faith in Jesus Christ, that is exactly what is, is what happened. And, you know, your your family story illustrates so many things and, and so many examples to me of objections that people have to Christianity. So here we have a man who appears like uh, he, he's a holy and upright and in and, and good standing on Sunday, but abusive to his family at home. Mm. So, you know, what is one of the great, uh, one of the great, 
oh, I would say maybe reluctancies or, or things that people really dislike or complaints about Christianity would be hypocrisy. But don't let hypocrisy scare you away from the truth. Hypocrisy does not void the truth of Jesus Christ. It does not void the things that Jesus said. It does not void the fact that there is an empty tomb. That's right. And for you know you, your mom's story that she felt dirty and she felt unworthy for anyone out there who thinks that they have sinned too much, they've gone too far, they've done too much, you are saying that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross was not enough to save you. If he did not give you up when the very gates of hell were thrown at him on the cross, he has not given you up yet, and he will not give you up. That door is open. Scripture is replete with examples of how God is the God who takes bad things and turns them into good things. We were talking before the show, one of my favorites, the story of Joseph. Amazing, amazing story of God's you know protection and redemption. The story of Job. You know, look right. what Job goes to and what he winds up with in the end. And, of course, the ultimate, the story of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. on the cross. All is lost. You know, there's there's no hope. You know, it's it's ended. It's coming to an imagine the disciples, everything that they had experienced with him, to see it come to such a crushing end. Right. Three days later, Satan is vanquished, death is vanquished, and a whole new era of the church is opened up. That's right. Amen. I mean, he is, he just doesn't ever seem to give up you on know, us. No, he doesn't. He just I, never you know, says he chases yeah, enough. He never taps out. That's right. I mean, and we think about where he, he'll leave the 99 and pursue the one. We've used that right. image a number of times. That illustration is powerful. In that, of course, we say, well, that's the believer who's wandered away. In this, here was my biological father who knew, never knew the Lord. And yet, just like the thief on the cross, the Lord wasn't done with him. That's right. He brings his own son back to him to give him the hope in Jesus Christ right before his final breath. That's a work of Jesus Christ. Only he can do something like yeah. that. I had prayed. I had asked for those doors. My, right about the time when I had mentally checked out from sort of leaving that alone, like it's time to focus on this side of the family, concentrate only on that need. That chapter's been closed. That door's been closed. That's okay. I, I'm strengthened because I know my Abba Father Then the Lord, as he was refining me, readying me for the hour that I would need to step up to the plate in that way, that's what God gets the glory for. He knew exactly the right timing. Praise be to God. Yeah, you make a great point. We do not dare to cease to pray for our loved ones, for those that we know who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. We cannot stop praying for them. It is never hopeless. There is no lost cause. There is nothing that God can accomplish. All things are possible with God. His creativity and abilities are beyond our imagining. It's just every once in a while we get these glimpses of the brilliance of God and the love of God never ending towards those who are lost. Every once in a while, we just get that little window opens up so we cannot cease to pray and love on those who do not know the Lord as their Savior. We never know what God's going to do. As long as there is breath in that person, it's not too late. That's right. Don't give up. Keep praying for the family member who doesn't know the Lord. Uh, whatever their circumstances, no matter how angry they seem toward God yes. in life, don't give up. Keep praying. Yeah, Tim Tim Keller has said, you know, when people, and you're sharing the gospel, the angrier people are, sometimes those are actually the ones that may be more receptive. They may be that much closer, <laughs> uh, you know, with the, how angry they are sometimes with their response. So, as you said, don't be deterred by that. Maybe even be encouraged by that. Maybe, maybe it's just, you know, just 
infinitesimally small distance that needs to be traveled for that person to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. All right. And they just need to see real love. Right. Yeah. And he's not going to give up. Love God and love others. Exactly. Yep. That's right. Do we truly love the Lord our God with everything, with right. all of our heart, mind, soul, and other soul people and see that. Yeah. And, and then it should translate to loving others in the same way, even the most unlovable of people. Right. Right. The, because they're so angry or hostile with the message. You just keep giving them the love of Jesus <laughs> and watch God work. Right. Yeah. Just keep deflecting that. Give them nothing to hang on to. They want to hate the message you right. give, but yeah. they can't. Right. Uh, you give them nothing to hang on to except for the love of God yeah. and, and, and no chinks in the armor to be found because we have given ourselves over to the Lord to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. He will speak through us. I, I'm a living proof of that. I did not deserve the story to be the way it was, yeah, but I got man. to be a part in God's great story. Yeah. And, and you as well, Dr. Ford, oh, you're going to have to share your testimony oh, yeah, with definitely. us in a, in a future uh, broadcast. It's a testimony of God's faithfulness. He is faithful and true. Um, I'm 60 now. I've got 60 years worth of, uh, of lifetime evidence to show and to be able to tell people that Jesus Christ is faithful and true. Amen. Well, we want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth today. We hope this has been an encouragement to you. If you'd like to listen to this broadcast and others, please visit us at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.